Section 58 of Egypt, Africa, and Arabia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story 3 Egypt, Africa, and Arabia. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 58 the Great Market of Tripoli, Latter Part of the Nineteenth Century, by George E. Thompson. It is early morning, as I walk on the wide expanse of sand, extending along the shore outside the white walls of Tripoli. The sun already shines with the fervent heat from a sky of cloudless blue. It shines on a busy scene. The usually quiet shore is tenanted by hundreds of Arabs, Negroes, and their animals, camels, donkeys, and cattle. They still pour in by the various lanes leading through the orange groves and palm forest from the distant oasis of the desert. And as they arrive, they settle down on the shore in groups, some close to the water's edge, for there is scarcely any tide here, others farther in, their place being regulated according to the nature of the produce they have for sale. A refreshing breeze blows in over the clear waters of the bay renewing the life of the tired travelers of the night. Everything is conducted with precision and in perfect order by this ancient people, whose manners and customs change not, who are the same now as they were centuries ago. There may be directors or policemen about, and they may have their eye upon me, but if so, I know them not. I wander down the long lines of Arabs, watching and marveling as the market grows up rapidly here and there staying to take a photograph with my hand camera. Finding the folk pleasant and interested rather than otherwise, I rush back to my hotel for the tripod camera, and am soon at work among the various groups. By this time the vast market has assumed the air of an industrial exhibition. It is now in full swing, and booths are erected in long rows to shelter the occupants from the sun's rays. Beginning at the far end, we find a fine herd of camels for sale. Then come cattle, cows, sheep, and goats. Here on the golden sands are pictures of Arcadian, pastoral, or Old Testament life. Brilliant with delicious coloring, calm, reposeful, and beautiful. Long-bearded, fine-looking Arabs squatting in their barracans or blankets amidst a few clean sheep and goats, quietly awaiting purchasers. No push, no hurry, no noise. We leave these groups with their delicate coloring, lights, and shadows, and pass down a narrow avenue between the booths of the fruit sellers. Here are heaps of oranges, bananas, melons, and many a strange product, of which we know nothing, laid out in long rows on the sand. No tables. The owners squat behind their goods under a small tent. The buyers swarm down the narrow path, sometimes seated on a donkey, shouting, Balik! make way, and so we move on. There are the blacksmiths at work, and on the sand, too. In the center of each group a small charcoal fire burns. An Arab boy works a pair of bellows looking like two concertinas, which he moves alternately. A small anvil stands in the sand, and filing is done on a large ox bone, used as a bench. A double row of shoemakers' tents follows. The occupants are all at work highly colored red and yellow slippers, some of them embroidered, are being turned out by the dozen. 
The meat stalls are the only unpleasant feature of this fascinating market, for on erections of bamboo canes there are hung up, alongside good joints of meat, the most loathsome-looking entrails. Yes, and it all sells, too. Let us pass on and see what is in the center of the crowd yonder. Another picture from Arcadia. Pan with his pipes. Arab musicians playing on double reeds. Not high-class music, but ancient and pleasing to native ears. Close by is the pot market, water coolers, wine jars, oil cisterns, large and small, mostly with pointed bottoms for placing in the sand. Then there are the basket makers, many of them Negroes, of the blackest hue. There are large, basin-shaped baskets for fruit, round, conical-shaped dish covers, and small wicker baskets closely made and interwoven with bits of colored cloth. The Negro women make the latter, and so closely that some of them will hold water. One woman has two little babies, ebony with ivory teeth and eyes, fat, black, merry, india-rubber sort of babies, with little woolly heads and a bracelet or string of red coral for clothing. One of these was frightened by the white man, and hid its face while I bought a basket from its mother. I coaxed it with a copper, and left it thinking that the white man was not so bad after all as a white man. They were touching sights, too, on the sand that day. I saw one poor negro woman and her baby, both tired out. They lay sleeping in each other's arms in the sunshine. There were the donkeys, poor things, that had traveled many a mile in the early hours of the morning from distant hamlets. Numbers of these lay on their sides, stretched out and fast asleep. Ropes are pegged into the sand, forming square enclosures, and the donkeys' feet are tied there to row, so that they may not stray. For the most part, they looked well-kept and tended. Next, we come to the oil merchants with their long-pointed earthenware jars stuck in the sand. And there are charcoal fires, where food is being prepared for the evening meal. All goes on in a quiet and orderly fashion. No drunkenness, no unseemly rows. For these people are barbarians on the barren burning sands of Africa, not Christians in the slums of London or Liverpool. I passed on among that dense cloud of Arabs, Negroes and Turks, camera in hand, and they made way, nay, helped me. Balik, Balik, polite and kindly, for are they not barbarians and children of the desert? End of section 58. This recording is in the public domain.